If we understand what it means to be human, there is a strength inside that. There's a strength inside understanding that the struggle is not because we're weak or flawed or that we need to get to this destination where the struggle is over. And so that strength that we talk about is the ability to know that change is going to continue to come to us. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Well, hello there. Welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. If I had not had the pleasure of dropping into your earbuds before, my name is Dr. Caitlin Harkis, and I am really excited about this episode. I know it's going to be useful for you because we're talking about coping with change and uncertainty, two things that I know you're going through right now that you've gone through that you will go through because this is part of being human. This is part of life, and it is something that a lot of us struggle with. It is also something that can help make us stronger, you know, that can help us as we move forward to cultivating meaning and purpose in our lives. Now, Dr. Louise Hayes has recently written a book called What Makes You Stronger. It is a guide to coping with change and uncertainty, and she is going to introduce you to the DNAV system. DNAV sounds like it could be something that is really academic and heady, and indeed it is based on a lot of science, evidence-based practice in terms of acceptance and commitment therapy, mindfulness-based interventions, adult attachment science, evolutionary science, positive psychology, yet it's really practical. As you're going to hear in today's conversation, you can take small steps towards meaning and purpose, towards living a life of vitality right now. So I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Louise in this episode. You might have heard her in a previous interview where we focused more on adolescent mental health. She is a clinical psychologist, author, speaker, and a very active humanitarian. So she's written a number of books, and I think what you're going to find is she explains things in such an easeful manner. Well, hello there, Dr. Louise Hayes. Welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. I'm really delighted to get the opportunity to sit down and connect here um, on our unusually cold summer's days um, in our respective um, places in Australia here. Thank you, Caitlin. I'm delighted to be here. So, Louise, we you know, have had the privilege of having you as a guest on Wisdom for Wellbeing before, but just in case we've got new listeners who may not be familiar with you and the amazing work that you do, would you mind just sharing a little bit about who you are and what really inspires you? Thank you, Caitlin. Well, you know, I think life has turned out that I'm pretty fortunate. It didn't start out that way. Um, And so uh, what I do is um, I'm a clinical psychologist and author. I've just written the fourth book and I'm in the process of writing my fifth book. 
I have the privilege of working with adults and adolescents um, to help them in their mental health and to write and do research and investigate um, and help people where I can. Um, and the reason I say it's a privilege is that some people know, and it's not really a secret, is I came from a really poor family and left school when I was 13. And so I um, consider it an honour to be able to do what I do. It's a really inspiring um, point that you kind of raise here too, that, you know, difficulty challenges don't necessarily mean that various opportunities to lead a rich and fulfilling life are not available. I imagine that you did have to cope with a lot of adversity and struggle to get where you are to this point where you feel really privileged um, and joyful in your life. In fact, this is kind of this does link to your new book, which is What Makes You Stronger, um, which is a resource for individuals navigating the struggles of change that inevitably come with being human. And you talk us through the idea of strength in this book. What is strength? What does being stronger mean? Because we're not talking here about, you know, muscular strength, are we? No, we're not talking about this muscle strength. We're talking about um, psychological strength. And it's the ability to continue to make what you care about the priority in your life. And uh, that's really hard for all of us because even as I sit here, you know, yesterday I was struggling with something, tomorrow I'll be struggling with something. And one of the hard pieces of doing all this work is realising coming to the realisation that we will continue to struggle. But if we understand what it means to be human, there is a strength inside that. There's a strength inside understanding that the struggle is not because we're weak or flawed or that we need to get to this destination where the struggle is over. And so that strength that we talk about is the ability to know that change is going to continue to come to us. And even if we don't want it, and I don't want it, and you don't want it, um, change and uncertainty is upon us. And the strength to know that it's not because you haven't worked hard enough. I think that's the important thing. It's not because you haven't worked hard enough. It's interesting that you mention, you know, your 13-year-old self, because I'm curious as to whether some of the skills and the lenses, you know, through which you relate to the world now, whether that was starting to develop, you know, at some point when you started to turn back to coming back to school and building this career. This is not something we, <laughs> we had in our outline for today, but I think it might be interesting for listeners to kind of understand a little bit about how, how you kind of used these resources and ultimately the DNA V system that we're going to be talking about today. Sure. Um, well, I, I actually think the recipe is much simpler than we make it out to be. Um, and I certainly did not set out to be where I am. I think it comes down to taking the smallest of steps that is in the direction of the thing that you care about. If I was ever to look at the big picture, just like you, I'm sure, Caitlin, if you look at the big picture, it's terrifying and you think, I can't possibly do that. I'm just little old me. I can't do that. But if you do the smallest of things that are in the direction that you want to go, surprising things happen. 
That's really beautiful. It's beautiful that you referred to it as a recipe and that it's small, that it's achievable and that we can do it. So listeners, anyone sitting there going, oh, you know, these things, these opportunities are not possible, are not accessible to me. Louise is saying, yes, they are. We need to figure out how we do these small, small steps and how we figure out which direction we're going. So I, I know the DNA V system is really like the crux of a lot of the work that you've been doing recently, but certainly, um, certainly the structure of your most recent book, What Makes You Stronger. Would you mind sharing with listeners a little bit about what the DNA V system is? Because it integrates a number of evidence-based strategies and tools, which I think is brilliant because it, to me, it just seems so rich in content and this integration of, you know, evolutionary science through to positive psychology and share with us more. Sure, I would love to. Well, um, it is a framework that is easily understood by everyone. You don't need to be um, a professional or academic or... It, and so it's a framework of understanding what it means to be human and how to grow. That's essentially what it's about. And when I say what it means to be human, it covers four really easy words that we call DNA and V or discoverer, noticer, advisor and value. It doesn't really matter what word you use, but those four words cover everything that we can do. And I often joke that it sounds like we thought of this on a Saturday afternoon over a couple of beers in the pub. But actually, underneath those four simple words is um, uh, evolutionary science and the way we humans adapt and grow or manage stress and um, senses of safety or danger. Uh, it has acceptance and commitment therapy. It has positive psychology and things like self-determination theory. So it's got a we look at a whole lot of theories to think about how do we help humans understand themselves so they can grow. And so that's a whole lot of big words. We can make it simple now, I think. So understanding humans so that they can grow, essentially, I mean, DNA, um, V, but the DNA is kind of talking to the fact that this is what it is to be a human, isn't it? Like it's a bit of a play on words. Maybe, you know, people might think it's established over these Saturday drinks, but I think it's really clever because you're really speaking to this idea of like what it means to be human. There's something so shared and connecting in that, isn't there? Yes, totally, totally. And so the thing that I like about it is, um, is what, Firstly, we started thinking about this work in the context of adolescence and how young people can grow and develop and how we could help them. And before long, we found ourselves doing the same thing with adults. So let's make it less theoretical and more practical. Um, <clears throat> right now, we are, we are in a context where so much of the world seems to have turned upside down. And a lot of people are distressed. Uh, like you and I just would, before we started, we're talking about the weather and how it's too cold. Um, we ha are on the back of a pandemic um, that we kind of kid ourselves is over, but we also know it's really not over. Uh, before that, in Australia at least, we had bushfires. Now we have floods. And internationally, there is um, scorching heat and drought. 
And even just beyond climate, in our own lives, we now have stress with um, financial stress, job uncertainty. You know, it just kind of rolls on everywhere. It's enough to make you kind of want to crawl up in a little ball and go, what am I going to do about that? And so inside that, I think, is part of the struggle that we face, but also what can liberate us. We have minds that are decided, that are determined to predict what's going to happen next. And we call this the ability to give yourself advice, to tell yourself this is going to happen, it will get worse. And or, or it will get better if you happen to have that disposition. But 80% of us have a this is going to get worse disposition. And that's because predicting what's going to go wrong is part of the um, what we need to do. Um, and so we call that giving yourself advice and it's about understanding the way your mind is designed to work. So the giving yourself advice for some very fortunate people, the 20%, the glass half full might be telling them everything's going to go wonderfully, no matter what the circumstances. But for a lot of us, we might be thinking of the things that might go wrong um, and preparing for them. I suppose there's like survival um, value in that. The challenge being that it doesn't necessarily mean we get up in the morning thinking, wow, I'm really excited to see what unfolds. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But we can. Um, so if we can understand what it means to be a human in terms of the way our mind works, we get to understand that thinking and worrying about what's going to happen next is just what we do. Now, sometimes I say to my clients, the thinking is not about thinking about sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. That's not the job of thinking. The job of thinking is to go, okay, have I got enough money to pay my bills? Do people care about me? Will I be okay tomorrow? Um, and as long as we understand that, if you understand that, you actually get to this place where you can use your mind to to think about what really matters. And that's where the joy comes in. So you could think, today, how do I live today with my mind that will predict danger and also use it for joy and for gratitude and for connection and sometimes if you think about it I say to my some of my clients how much we change when we just send a text message to someone or when we say hello to the person giving us a cup of coffee or when you stop and talk to the work colleague in the hallway and and, and those small things change our day and if we focus on those small things our whole life can change we just don't think it will because we have this negative predicting mind how beautiful taking small steps and like focusing on the small things that are aligned, that are connecting. So we were talking about um, the, the mind that maybe tells us all the things that are, you know, perhaps going to turn out poorly, depending on our disposition as the advisor. Is this the valuer then, this idea that, you know, we're thinking about the things like connection that are important to us, the things that maybe bring us joy and meaning? Would that be the V of DNA V? Yes, absolutely. It's two has two aspects. It has vitality and value. Vitality is what I was referring to before. Those small steps like sending an SMS to a friend or actually stopping to say hello to a, a work colleague in the corridor instead of rushing on by. Um 
that's what we call vitality, which is the ability to use those small moments in your day that bring you energy. There's also value. Value is the bigger part of this, uh, which is being able to make decisions about really what matters the most to you. And so the idea behind what we do is we help people use their thoughts and their feelings and their actions to try to help them understand the two sides of the coin. One side is the negative gloom and doom, which is normal, and the other side is, hey, I can turn that coin over and direct it towards what matters to me. Okay. And when you do that, incredible things happen. So there's beauty in being able to see both sides of the coin, that they're a pair. Coming to like how we how we turn the coin over, where does the discover and the noticer come in here? Because I think if we have a bit of a sense as to what all these letters mean, and um, it might give us a, yeah. a better kind of hook, a better understanding. Um, so, yeah, or what all the letters mean. And um, so noticing... So there's only three words that you really need to that people need to think about. It's one is the way we talk to ourselves and give ourselves advice. We've mm-hmm. talked about that. The other one is this incredible ability we have to be present in our bodies. And we call this noticing. It's the ability to be in the world, outside us and inside us. And so I think this is the most underappreciated, underrecognized human ability. Um, the ability to pause and take a breath is probably one of our most profound things that you could ever do mm-hmm. and one of the most profound interventions that we could give a client that we work with. And sometimes I make a joke, oh, I'm going to tell you something really hard, pause and take mm-hmm. a breath before you respond. And you know, you do meditation and yoga, you understand the value of the breath, Caitlin. Absolutely. And I think a lot of listeners will be resonating. Yeah. Yeah. So noticing is sometimes I think of it as like from the neck down, you know, being a body, being here in the world and understanding how powerful that is and understanding that you can be present with the things outside you as well, with the sunshine, with the... um, if we get sunshine with the rain, if we've got rain. Um, <laughs> whatever um, is here. <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever is here. Um, and I think this is such a profound ability. You know, children do it naturally. Children do it naturally. They, they're just present. They're just here. So the noticer is our ability to slow down, to pause, to take a breath, to notice what's going on in this physical body that we, you know, that our head is attached to, that we do have, you know, our experience of and what's going on around us. Just that ability to essentially be, to notice, name. Yeah. Yeah. And particularly to be embodied. And of course, like all um, human elements or human abilities, we call these abilities, the, the noticer ability also has a cautionary side. And that is our ability to detect danger with our bodies. Mm. We know instantly if we don't feel safe with someone or if someone has got a facial expression that is judging us. It's, it's just like almost an instant reaction. 
Yeah. Um, and so we're mammals. Our bodies are hardwired to detect danger. And we can understand that too. And when we do understand that, we also get the opportunity to know how we're responding. Sometimes I ask clients to think about how their engine is running. Are they on fast, alert? Are they rapidly, you know, rapid-paced, talking quickly, acting quickly, stressed all the time? And that's a really profound way to change and to cope. We've been talking about um, facing change and uncertainty. Well, the way we Mm. respond initially to change and uncertainty is our heart races and we feel stressed. Yeah. So listeners, that's human. <laughs> that's part of that's part of this mammalian packaging and physiological experience. And being able to notice that is part of this, this noticer ability. And as you said, like these things are going to happen automatically if we maybe sense a judgmental look or that someone maybe isn't a safe person for us. Those things are going to happen, but here we are being able to notice them. Yeah, and not being afraid of our body. So we give, we, I give, we give our clients, uh, and we write about this in the book, is the key to growth inside noticing is a two-step process. It's really so simple. It's noticing what's going on inside you and noticing what's going on outside you. And sometimes I wish it was written inside a really complicated prescription because we might, take, we might think it was um, more profound than what it is. But just that two-step ability, are you able to notice what's going on inside you and what's going on outside you? And I think that's the best gift you could give anyone. I love that the profound is simple. Small steps, (laughs) two steps. Tell us about the discoverer. Um, The discoverer is the human ability to try new things um, or to act in the, so sometimes we call it what we do or the doer is another way to think about it um, and the way that I like to often think about it is if you think about a young child learning to grow and they learn to walk and they stand up and fall down and stand up and fall down and they keep doing that until they can walk and so there is this human ability inside us which is from our evolutionary adaptation, I might add. And that is learning how to be in the physical world, learning how to to do things and to get stronger and to find ways to do new things. And that's what we need to do when we're struggling with change. So we need to find a way to do new things. So in a way, this discoverer, this... um human kind of drive to find new things, to do new things, and the strength that comes with that kind of sets off this chain of events of the noticer, the advisor, the vitality and value that kind of like guides us in this process of discovery and coping with uncertainty and change. It's really like quite beautiful how integrated these elements are of the DNA V system, which is to say these elements of our self, of our humanness are. So given that uncertainty and change are so common, 
And, you know, we talked about a number of elements at the beginning of the episode that a lot of us are navigating both globally, um, as well as, you know, the change and uncertainty that comes in our own lives. Where might people start? Is there just like a simple step? I mean, obviously, listeners, you have to go and (laughs) grab a copy of What Makes You Stronger, because let's face it, we are all humans and we all need a little bit of a manual, a guide that goes into much more detail than we possibly can in a short interview. But do you have a step, Louise? Like where where might listeners take one, one of those small steps you mentioned forward? Okay. Well, we'll talk about the small steps that are inside discovery. One of those small steps is firstly being curious. Being able to be curious about what we might want. Um, And that's not knowing. We don't know. But we might be curious about what we yearn for. And then being able to try one small thing. Now, what I find the most interesting is sometimes just trying anything new and different can set the pathway for trying bigger new and different things, even if they're not not in the same direction. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. So, you know, if you're very um, shy or socially anxious, just going to buy a cup of coffee can be the first thing that might set you off in a chain to do other things like go and join a club. Um, But you might not necessarily see them as connected. And so I think that's the really important thing is we surprise ourselves. We surprise ourselves when we try something and be curious and just do one small thing that seems unimportant, we can surprise ourselves. That to me seems to take a lot of the pressure off it. Like it's a small thing and that it doesn't necessarily have to be connected to like this big picture stuff, but just to open up to this idea of curiosity and trying a little something new and seeing, you know, how that feels like trying it on. Oh, completely. And and, and so I think the thing to th- that we can gain a new view on is that let's say um, – Let's say uh, you've decided that you'd like to go, you know, hiking in the Himalaya, but you think that you can't possibly do that because it's too hard. Um, If we just let our advisor run the show, we will never try anything. But maybe we can go and do some other thing like, I don't know, join a gym, and that will be the first step that will lead us to this bigger thing. And while we're going to join the gym, you know, our self-talk will be saying, oh, this is not good enough. You're never going to be fit enough. It'll never work out. You'll never be able to do it. And if we listen to that, we never do it. But if instead we say, okay, I'm going to use my ability to try new things and to be curious just to go to this gym and see what happens. That's all. I don't have to be fit. I don't have to do it well. It doesn't have to get me to the top of the mountain. I'm just going to try this and see what happens. And if we can do that, be in that place and be curious about what happens, then we can kind of unsettle this predicting constantly negative, you'll never be good enough to do this place. Yeah. And then one day, listeners, you can go and hike in the Himalayas with Louise because that is still on my bucket list. I'm doing mindfulness in the Himalayas. 
<laughs> Once the babies are bigger, I'll be there. So Louise, there's a couple of things that I, I guess like stood out to me. You know, you mentioned the coffee, for instance, going and getting the coffee, maybe at some point that might lead to a club. And we mentioned earlier, like the judgmental look that you might see on someone's face, or like maybe like a sense of nervousness or unsettledness around people. The thing that's sort of a thread here is we're talking about relationships, humans, connection. Relationships has like a huge amount of importance in your book. Um, could yeah. you just maybe give listeners a bit of a sense as to why relationships are so important? These two relationships are important. Uh, the relationships with other people comes first. That's part. We're, we're a group species. It's not a single one of us that can survive alone. And part of our evolutionary heritage is needing to be with other people. And I really do think that we can we 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 ought to spend more time looking at the social context at the moment we're spending a lot of time talking about people struggling as if there's something wrong with that person who's struggling and we're not saying hey our whole world has turned upside down people are lonely that's not their fault you know everything's changed and so social our social connection is part of all of us and I guess your listeners will know this and I, I, you probably know this and I know this. There's not a single time when, uh, I, when people are struggling and say, well, I've got really good relationships and I feel really connected to people but I just have this problem that I'm struggling with. Usually it's connected. Absolutely. And, you know, even when you mentioned earlier like someone picking up on the look in someone's face or something like I think we we feel big feelings around relationships, perceived rejection, how we navigate relationships. For a lot of us, that's the thing that's waking us up at 3 a.m. or, you know, those thoughts that are preventing us falling asleep to begin with. So I think it's important for listeners to know that that's normal too, that we are this social species, that we do really have this drive to be connected. And yet it's the source that for a lot of us um, is quite anxiety provoking. Absolutely. And it, it, we can make it less anxiety provoking if we understand that everybody's anxious about it in various ways. That our biggest source of pain is, am I okay? Do you care about me? Am I doing all right? And we hide behind this persona that we're really confident and we've got it all together and and that's why I started this talk by saying a little bit about my teenage years because I don't want people to think that here's this professional who has it all together that's not the way it works we're all the same all messy and we're all seeking connection and there's real healing in that Louise as we as we wrap things up today I wonder if maybe you could just plant one seed of hope for us as we go forward. Beautifully, this kind of is the kernel that I think um, I I found really beautiful as I was getting to the end of, you know, what makes you stronger. The world is challenging, you know, and loneliness is something we're experiencing more and more, climate uncertainty and the like. How do we go forward and maintain or cultivate that ability to balance our advisor with a sense of vitality? 
Thank you, Caitlin. Well, I'm glad you read the last chapter because I think the last chapter of our book is the best chapter. Um, so <laughs> in the context... It's a great motivator to get there. <laughs> I wanted to put it at the beginning, but I wasn't allowed to. Um, if, you, if, you, if we just rely on our, our, what we think, then it's likely that we will sink in a hole. But we have this incredible human capacity that we sometimes lose sight of. Think of the way we can use our minds to create change in ways we never anticipated. And we've seen this happen right now. Inside the pandemic, I, for one, was not predicting we were going to have a vaccine in the really short time that it took. Um, And so in this context of all of these problems, we have a choice. We can use our mind and our, our, no, our, our advisor, the way we talk to ourselves, the way we notice our body, our ability to try new things and discover, we can use that to just maintain the status quo and to feel like it's all dark and hopeless. Or we can look at the evidence around us and see that when humans work together, they can make things happen that we will never individually predict will happen. And I I often talk to people about the the, um, vaccines in the pandemic because it's an incredible ability. When humans group together and do things together, amazing things happen. We just need to work out how to get everyone doing that for the things that are facing us. And that's happening and we want it to happen faster. (laughs) It's the source of hope for me. It's the source of hope for me. We can do things. I love that. It's um, working together. And and it was unprecedented, wasn't it? Like both in terms of the vaccine um, development, but that, you know, laboratories were speaking to each other. People were sharing their science, what they were working on. We suddenly had these open communication channels as we worked together in a group, which perhaps comes back to us being this social um, species. But this idea that if we can work in collaboration rather than competition, we will do incredible things. And if we all angled towards that if we all start taking these small steps to ensure our vitality we can perhaps show up to the world a little bit differently and maybe more as the people that bring the energy we need as we as we transform our world and save our world yeah and absolutely and it requires two things it requires a realistically telling it like it is not a pollyanna view telling it like it is with where we're at and what we're facing and having that active hope, that ability to know that we can't predict the future and we just need to try our damned hardest. In trying, yeah, I love that. I love the idea of trying our damned hardest, that that's what we do, that we don't need to wear rose-coloured glasses, that we can tell it like it is and keep going with, with our steps forward. Louise, where can listeners connect with you? Because, well, I've already mentioned the Himalayans that at some point people will see me off. <laughs> first up, first, my, these little children. You'd be to... more than welcome, Caitlin. <laughs> I'd love to. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but where, where can listeners learn more about all of the amazing work that you're doing and connect with you, Louise? Thank you. Uh, the easiest way is to go to my website, which is louisehayes.com.au or to look on your favourite online bookstore and take a look at the book, What Makes You Stronger.
Yeah, beautiful. I'll put the show notes and listeners definitely, I think what I actually, can I just really quickly say, so listeners, when I opened, um, or virtually opened, I love good old e-readers, what makes you stronger? You, you talk us through some real life examples of individuals and particularly one, um, individual navigating some very real, like real world struggles. I found that really connecting because you see yourself in someone else and you go, Oh, I'm not alone in this. I think that really stigmatizes these human experiences um, and offers connection and understanding as to how we actually apply the DNA, the um, system. So listeners, grab a copy. And Louise, thank you so much for sharing with us today, for connecting with us in your messy humanness as well, and giving us some steps to go forward and, and some hope for the future. Thank you very much for inviting me, Caitlin. It's been a pleasure. Wow, right? Hope. I really appreciate Louise's perspective and her ability to take complicated scientific frameworks and interventions and integrate them in a manner that's applicable, that we can fit into these busy lives of ours so that we cultivate vitality, so that we show up with meaning and purpose, so that we can become and unfold into versions of ourselves that support us and our common humanity moving forward and navigating towards a future that sustains us all. Louise can be found, of course, as she mentioned, at louisehayes.com.au or thrivingadolescent.com is another website where Louise shares some of her more specific um, adolescent-focused work. I will link to all of this in the show notes that can be found at drcaitlin.com. And I so look forward to connecting next week on Wisdom for Wellbeing. I am wishing you and yours well. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.